Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Lord. Your presence is already here in our midst. Lord, we just want to thank you that you are a good God and mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for the song that we heard even before prayer. We just want to thank you. Lord, a generation will rise trained, disciplined, focused, separated and sanctified, set apart, who will truly, Lord, be lights in this dark world. Lord, your word says, O Lord, in the last days, evil will abound. But Lord, those who know their God will wax strong and will do mighty exploits. I pray, Lord, that you will raise up a generation who will wax strong, who will know their God, and who will do mighty exploits in these last days. And therefore, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Prepare us. Prepare us continuously through the ministry of the word. Sanctify us, wash us by the water of the word and set us apart so that we'll be blameless, blemishless, wrinkleless, bride of our Savior, prepared and adorned for His coming. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint the ministry of the word and give us your hearing ears and seeing eyes. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory for in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. We've been looking at uh, mysteries and in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, um, the Lord through Moses will say, the secret things belong to God, but what has been revealed has been given to us and for our children forever. The secret things belongs to God, but what has been revealed? There's so many things that are secret in the Bible. We will not understand those secrets unless the Lord gives us revelation. Because the entire Bible is revelatory. The natural man or the, or the soulish man or the man of the mind alone will not be able to understand the things of the Spirit of God because the, the words of God are spirit and life. And therefore, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to reveal the word to us. And in order for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to reveal the word to us, there is a conditioning of the mind. There's a conditioning of, of our life so that we can create an environment in our, in our own self because we are both, we are all three parts, right? We are body, soul, and spirit or spirit, soul, and body in that order. So that we can be prepared beings for the revelations of God to come and speak to us so that we are prepared for the last days. Um, Lou Engel was one incredible author. He wrote a book on being a Nazarite. He makes a very interesting statement on fasting. He says, fasting is like creating a runway in a wilderness for the revelations of God to land. (laughs) I thought it was a very interesting depiction, you know. Fasting is a runway (laughs) so that in a wilderness... So that the revelations of the land of, of the Lord can land. You know, that's, it's a preparation. There's a, there's, a, there's a conditioning of our own self. There's a disciplinings that we have to go through for God to entrust us with his mysteries. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, I just want to put up 
I just want to set up the premise for today's teaching. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10 onwards. The disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he said, answer and said to them, because it has been given to you and not to them. To know the mysteries of the heaven, of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has been, not been given. And then he goes through a series of parables of the kingdom of God. And then he expounds a few and he leaves it, leaves the other expositions to the disciples. And when he finishes the entire chapter, he signs off with a couple of verses which are so fantastic. Look at what it says in the last verses. This is verse chapter 13, verse number 51. Jesus said to, his, to these disciples, he says, have you understood, understood these things, all these things? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Remarkable, isn't it? Have you understood? I mean, some of the, some of the parables, if you read through the entire narrative, he doesn't expound them. He expounds the parable of the sower. He expounds the parable of the wheat and the tares and other, other parables. He leaves it to the disciples to interpret themselves, the, the, those parables. And then he says, have you understood these parables? And they say, yes, Lord. And then he makes, this is how he signs off that entire chapter. Look at this beautiful verse. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Then he said to them, therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and things old. And I I told you the word treasure means thesaurus. He's He's got the mysteries of the kingdom now. Now he, but who is this person? He is a householder or a steward. Or the good man of the house, the master of the house, the owner, who he has been given the ownership of the mysteries. To get a, a, a picture of uh, this particular verse, I want to look at it in different translations to get a, uh, a complete rendering, a more uh, interesting rendering, uh, uh, easy rendering of as to what this verse talks about. Let's look at it in the New, Interna- uh, New American Standard Bible, NASB. This is what it says. Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe, First thing, everybody has to be a scribe. You know, what is this? Who is a scribe? The word comes from, I mean, there's, a, there's a Greek word called grammatos. Okay. Grammatos, yes, order. Okay. Now, if you, if you learn that, if we have uh, in our school, people, uh, one of the things that most children struggle with is English grammar. So many prepositions, participles, and past participle, present participle. In, in order to crack a particular, a particular uh, exercise, even the, even the instructor has to struggle. It's not easy. Yeah, so very scientific. Very grammatose is exactness. Okay. Now look at what he says. Therefore, every scribe or a grammatose, and one of the things that we need to teach students is to become exact. To, to, to uh, practice exactness. To be able to be precise in their in their workings out, whatever field that you are in, no. I mean, for example, mathematics is an exact science. Okay, so he says every scribe. Now you don't stop at the scribe level. Okay, that scribe has to become a disciple. Okay, that's the second stage. Every scribe, not all scribes become disciples. By the way, <laughs> a lot of people uh, stay at the scribe level. I'll introduce one scribe who wanted to, whom actually Jesus rejected. He, he, want, he did not reject Jesus apparently, but Jesus said, I'm sorry, sir, I can't take you. And then he has become 
a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of the house. This is the third stage or a steward who brings out of his treasure. So if you look at this entire passage, the starting point is a scribe. Okay. Then you become a disciple and then finally you become a steward of uh, the household. No, there you have been given the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So in order for you to, to be entrusted with the mysteries of the kingdom of God, the revelations of the kingdom of God, and, and revelations are not for you to be, uh, to become proud or to see how, how, how knowledgeable you are or better than your peers. And when Daniel was given the revelation in a, in a dream, he goes to the kingdom, he goes to the, to, to Nebuchadnezzar and he says, it is not because I have many special that the Lord of heaven has given me this revelation. It is his, and I just conditioned myself. I, I made myself, uh, I prepared myself in my mind and in my disciplines in, in all these years so that God could give me. It's God who gives. Okay. So to, in order for you to become a householder or a steward of the mysteries of God from a scribe, the challenge, my dear brothers, the challenge, the biggest bottleneck one has to cross is to become a disciple. That is possibly one of the most, because see, you see, I mean, I was, I was uh, studying and listening and, you know, meditating. Apparently, in uh, many of Moody, Moody and Charles Finney were one of the most powerful evangelists of yesteryears. And you know, the statistics say that in Moody's evangelism, only 40% of those people who got evangelized would never backslide and stay on the course. What happened to the rest of the 60? Okay. <laughs> you know why? Discipline. Disciple. The struggle is to become a disciple. Because in the very word disciple, there's an there's a, there's a implication to be disciplined. You know, and, and you know what? We have tremendous inertia. We have Newton's first law in our mind. Everybody continues. Everybody continues in its state of rest or of uniform motion, unless acted upon by an external force. Oh, we have tremendous inertia to change. Like Pastor says, no. We are like the truck driver who has to steer. <laughs> we don't have power steering. We have manual steering. No. You have to steer you because many of us we are reluctant to change. And you know, many of the struggles, if you, if you, if you, if you look at life, life is a conflict. And who is the person who's opposing? And many times we wonder who's the fellow who's opposing. You know, that fellow is there right inside, right inside of you. There's a force. It's called the force of the flesh. The old man who's 6,000 years old at least. He's a dinosaur. Prehistoric, <laughs> almost, if you will. Who That guy is reluctant to change, even after being born again. That's, not, that's, my, that's my point here. He's reluctant. So, if God has to make us people who are entrusted with the mysteries of the kingdom, there is only one pathway. What is that? Read, read this all. Discipleship, the pathway to stewardship. Why am I saying this? And, 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 and many of us are, are, are 
are, are, are satisfied at this, with the scribe level. I know my Bible. I know this is not doctrinally right. Like you're like the church in Ephesus. We have proved those who call themselves apostles and are not. And we have found them to be liars. I'm not saying that we should not be sound in doctrine. That we do not have the capacities uh, or the faculties in our mind to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong. But we don't stay there. Why am I saying this? <clears throat> Look at the challenge here. Look at the challenge. This is Matthew chapter 8. This is after uh, Jesus heals the, the centurion's servant, etc. There's so, so many miracles that happen in Matthew chapter 8. And then he says to his disciples, let us go on to the other side. And when Jesus saw great multitudes, no, everybody gets excited with miracles. What did he say? He gave a command to whom? To his disciples. Let us go to the other side. Now point here is, what is on the other side? What is on the other side? What is awaiting on the other side? You know what is everything on the other side? If you, excuse me? Yeah, exactly. There is, there is a guy who, is, who has a legion of demons, fierce. At least a couple. A couple of them in the tombs. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, In the last days, fierce. The same word for demon possession is used in 2 Timothy chapter 3, when, when, when Paul, in, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, in the last days, fierce times will come. Times of incredible demonic oppression. Okay. That is the other side. Okay, that is what is waiting on the other side. And you have to go through a storm, or go through a time of testing, where you have learned through the storm, to lean upon Jesus, to be disciplined through the storm, so that when you go on to the other side, you're prepared and equipped to face the challenges that the demonic will throw at you. You see, we are not living in ordinary times. Extraordinary is an understatement. Technology is changing. What? How fast? I don't even know. By the time you learn Java, you're already outdated. By the time you finish learning. Okay. <laughs> Baba has already come. Hmm? You see, then now we have something called Python. Hmm? <laughs> okay. So, but you see, you, you see, things are changing at such a rapid pace. And there has been an acceleration of the... Or the way things are deteriorating in society. I'm I'm, I'm really amazed as to how people even dress in our own country. I mean, I was was in IIIT for eight years. I was shocked when I was in college. I mean, I was not that old, okay. (laughs) See, I, I, I used to say, I used to have uh, um, girls, uh, students in my class who are decently dressed. Conservative. Now you come to IIIT, every year the t-shirts become tighter and the skirts become shorter. 
And how do they come to the professor? They do song and dance. Sir, how do I do? How do I do? I, you know, sometimes I, 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 used to, I used to really get... When I used to get emails, sir, can I come and work with you? What is your gender? How to ask those questions? You see, how rapidly things have changed. And that is what is waiting on the other side. And if you remain at the scribe level, you know what Jesus has to say to the scribe? A certain scribe came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you. Who's that? Scribe. Just graduated with a PhD. Scribe, no. Grammar to us, exact science. He says, Sir, I'm prepared now to solve the problems of the world. <laughs> really? You know what he says? Jesus says, Foxes have holes. Words of the air have nests where in your heart. But a son of man. Sorry, sir. You're not prepared for this. You're not, you, 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 the moment you started, you failed. Because I see your heart. You're not prepared to face the opposition that is there on the other side. It's impossible for you. The moment you see the storm, you will jump and swim back. Thank God the disciples stayed. They saw a miracle. They were prepared. So the challenge therefore for all of us and the commission, the great commission is what? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 onwards. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Period. It doesn't end there. (laughs) Go therefore and make what? Is it there in your Bible? In other words, you become a disciple and make disciples. See, let me tell you something. You can never teach something that you are not thorough in. Otherwise, the students will know. The students, I mean, if you come to some universities like Triplet, they will start laughing at you. They'll know. So he says, you, first you have to become a disciple. And then you have to make disciples. And, and that's, that's exactly what he says uh, in J- J- Jeremiah, I'm sorry, not Jeremiah, Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is the Lord is what? One. Okay. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, etc., etc., etc. And then he says, These things which I command you today, you shall keep in thine own heart first. And then you shall teach thy children. In other words, you have to learn them first. You have to practice them first. You have to prove them first in your own life so that when you speak to your children, there is conviction. And you know, this works, my, my daughter, my son. Otherwise, you'll just be giving, giving theory. You are a scribe. How many feel like grammar? Ren and Martin? How many feel like stories? Which have grammar. Ultimately, you will be just grammatically correct. You will be person of the letter, not of the spirit. <laughs> and the Bible says the letter kills. What brings life? Spirit. So, there is an opposition. 
inside your own self. Let me tell you something. All the problems and the conflicts that we face in our world, if you trace to the root of the problem, the root of the problem is rebellion in our own hearts. There is a rebel star, if you will. Mega star, rebel star, power star, stylish star, rebel star. All rebels. That fellow, if he is not tamed, if he is not not tamed, he has to be crucified. You cannot just leave him alone. What has to be done to a rebel? Oh, I have taught this fellow. He's a drunkard. He's a he's a glutton. He doesn't listen to me. I've disciplined him, disciplined him, disciplined. What shall I do to this guy? Deuteronomy chapter twenty-one. You know what the what the people have to do? Show them. I'll introduce that person to you very soon, okay? Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. The scribe. Ezra was the scribe, the scribe of the old covenant. Look at, look at his, what do you say, mission statement, if you will. Mission statement of Ezra Shastri. Okay? Ezra means Shastri. Ezra Shastri is essentially the Telugu rendering of, uh, of Ezra the scribe. Ezra scribe means Shastri. Ezra Shastri. Look at what he says. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. The mission statement of the scribe called Ezra. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. What? Ezra, right from childhood you memorized the law. But I do not know the law just because I have it in my mind. I still have to seek it. I have to see, I have to understand what it means. I have to know what, what the implications of each and every judgment and the statute and the ordinances that God has given me. So first, what does he do? He seeks the law of the Lord. To do what? To do, first. <laughs> to do. To prove it in his own life. See, I can never tell you the, the, the mysteries of fasting if I haven't fasted first. I cannot talk to you about the mysteries of faith if I have not walked by faith first. That's the reason he says he's calling, he's talking about holding forth the mysteries of faith in a pure or a clear conscience. How is it possible? How can I hold it? Because I proved them in my own life. The principles of faith. So what does he do? He does them first. And then what does he do? He then he says, he teaches statutes and ordinance. And the word for teach is fantastic. You know what the word for teach means? To make disciple. The, the Hebrew word is lamad, from which we get the Hebrew word limud, which means to be a disciple. Lamad, to teach, to make a disciple. And what does it mean? Actually in this context, to disciple others and prepare them for war. That's what it means. I mean, this is remarkable. You see, there was war, the first war, the first war in the Bible. Five kings against one man. Do you know that? How many kings? Against one man. Now, that person, he says, he had 318 trained young men who were born in his household. You know, very, the very interesting word. You know what the word for trained means? The train word comes, train word, the word train comes from the Hebrew word halak. 
which means to disciple to prepare them for what you know where it, where other where is the other verse which where it occurs where where is the other time it occurs in the bible train up the child in the way that he should walk so that when he grows up he will not what do you think is it a promise or not absolute promise train up your child that's exactly what he did he had 300 he didn't have children of his own when he fought uh, isaac i mean sorry when he fought the five kings but you know what he did he had 318 god was watching abraham my dear brothers and sisters his name is exalted father before he can be promoted to become a becoming a father of nations can he father 318 soldiers in his own house who will be at his command who will be trained who will who will go and fight his battle god was looking at him can I trust Isaac into his hands? What is he going to do with 318 children who are not his? Will he disciple them? And you know what he says about Abraham? in Later in Genesis chapter 18. I know Abraham. That he is going to command his household. After that to, to teach statutes and judgments. So that they may learn to fear God. He proved himself with 318 not his own children. Who was trained in his own household. So that he, they could become people who are at his command. United with the purposes of the commander. Think about that. So when you are having your own child, what are you preparing them for? You are preparing them for troubled times. You are not going to mollycoddle them. You are going to discipline them. Through the process of discipleship. See, discipleship begins with you. And in your own home, when they see your dad, when they see the father, they should have reverence for him. Because they know him. This man is disciplined in the ways of God. Understand this. We have treasure. Where? In earthen vessels. But there's a process to acquire that treasure. Need to understand that. You cannot circumvent the process. We do not, cannot have, I mean, like, we were, we were like, you know, the entire trip was fantastic, you know. It was walking and talking and speaking and living together with pastor. So, we were having uh, breakfast. Wow, going both of breakfast, okay. That chutney. Wow, wow, what chutney that was, okay. I had chutney several servings. Okay, that, that chutney was, it's not Putnal Papu chutney. In, in, in Hyderabad, they'll give you Putnal Papu chutney. They call it Kobar chutney, coconut chutney. What is there in it? Papu. There you go. Authentic coconut chutney. The texture, the taste. Kya baat hai. So I had uh, several servings of, uh, <laughs> of upma and also pungal with sambar of course. It was finger licking good. <clears throat> Not KFC. And we were having a discussion and then pastor was saying, you know, this is the first breakfast I'm having in 2022. <laughs> and the person, who, the person who came to pick us up from the railway station, he said, first breakfast? You don't have breakfast, sir? He said, no, 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 I don't have breakfast. That is the reason why you are like this. <laughs> and then, you know, what? pastor made a fantastic statement. He said, you know what? Everybody wants to have the anointing of Elijah, but nobody wants to have the diet of Elijah. That diet plan of Elijah. How many times did he eat? Twice. Morning, evening. That's it. You see? There's a process. To make one Elijah, it took so many years. To 
make him so united with God. If I be a man of God, boy, what a statement. Let fire come down from heaven and consume you. Goosebumps only. That power. When he's so united with God. With the purposes of God. So when Elijah speaks, God speaks. Elijah's will, God's will. Elijah's thoughts, God's thoughts. Mm -hmm. What do we have? You want to acquire this treasure? You want to become a steward? Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But we have this treasure. In what vessels? In earthen vessels. That the excellence of power may be of God and not of us. But how did, I, how did I acquire this treasure? I'll tell you. The process. You don't like it. We are hard pressed. Yet not crushed. We are perplexed. Persecuted. Struck down. Always carrying about in our body. That is how this, this acquisition of, of, of mysteries has happened. It is not the easy route. You see. You should never think. I'll tell you something. No. In everything in the kingdom of God starts like a gift. But it is perfected through practice. Say that again. Okay. Everything in the kingdom of God starts as a gift. Righteousness starts as a gift. Faith starts as a gift. Holy Spirit. Okay. He's the one who comes and convicts us of sin. Conviction starts as a gift. But is perfected through repeated use and practice. So, discipleship, therefore, has several questions. So, I'm asking myself, what is the essence of discipleship? I mean, there are several dimensions, and I can go, several uh, 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 dimensions and, 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 and trajectories that I can take, but I'm going to choose three questions, three questions that I'm asking myself as to what entails to be a disciple and what entails the process of discipleship. Who can be a disciple first is a question. What has to be discipled or disciplined? Second question. What to learn or what has to be taught to make him a steward through the process? Okay. I'll have possibly time for the first two questions and then I'm just going to briefly touch, touch on the last question. First, therefore, who can be a disciple? Why is it important? Why is it fundamentally important for us to be discipled? It is just not important for us to be born again. Believers are made in one, in one day. You believed. And you entered into the kingdom of heaven. Discipleship is a lifetime. Okay. Like pastor was talking about, uh, first Peter, uh, second Peter chapter one, he's talking about faith. Add to faith what? A virtue. That is a lifetime. You can, you have never arrived with virtue. What is the fundamental problem and who, who can therefore be made into a disciple? Who qualifies to become a disciple? Why is it important to be a disciple? Why is it, why is the quintessence of Christianity discipleship? It's a question, right? Look at what it says in Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23. Verse 23. This is, you see, they're going to get, they are going into captivity. Who's going to captivity? Not Israel, but Judah. Judah is going into captivity. 
The point is, these guys have been warned and warned and warned and warned and warned. Jeremiah is thinking, you know, this message finally I'll preach. The conviction of the Holy Spirit will come upon them and one, at least a bunch of guys will fall flat on their faces and repent. But he is not seeing any result. I mean, they have been literally hamstrung to go into captivity. They've been wired. He's breaking his head and he says, and one point he's so frustrated, he says, I don't want to preach anymore. And he says, I can't stop preaching. You know why? Because the word of God is like what? Fire shut in my bones. I have to speak. Otherwise, I'll just break out. So he's preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. He's hardly seeing any result. He, I mean, at least he's preached for almost, I'm prophesied at least for 25 odd years. And how many converts did he get? One Baruch and one Ethiopian eunuch. And those people who even remained in Israel, in Judah, and who are not led into captivity, those fellows also did not change. Because when, they, when God asked them to stay in, in Israel, in Judah, you know what they do? They are already making plans to go to Egypt. And they come to, to, to Jeremiah and say, please can you inquire of the Lord as to where we should go? Should we stay here in Egypt, in Israel, or should we go to Egypt? They have already made up their mind to go to Egypt. So is, uh, Jeremiah goes, okay fine, I will just go and inquire of the Lord. He goes and inquires of the Lord. And then he comes back and he says, guys don't go to Egypt, stay here. Build yourself houses. You'll prosper. You know what they what they say? No, we do not listen. Even discipline has not changed them. And, and if you if and if you look at the entire entire Jeremiah, there's one verse in the in, in, in the book of Jeremiah which kind of amplifies this problem and tells us what was fundamentally wrong with Israel or with Judah. This is found in Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23. Look at what it says. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard, his spots, is a rhetorical question. Answer is no. Then he says, then also, can you do good? Who are, what? You know what the word for accustomed is? Disciplined to evil and trained to do it. That is your problem. The problem is, you have become disciplined in evil. It's like this, no? Through repeated practice or through repeated allowing certain thoughts to come into your mind. It's like, you know, when you go to some places in, in, the, in, the, in the mountains, you will see one, one path. Okay? Now, how come that path has been formed in that mountain? Because many people have trodden, trodden down that path over and over and over and over again. So there's one path like that. So many people have been disciplined and discipled to think wrong. So all the demons are like, you know, the demons are like, you know, the hordes of uh, uh, drones. You can, you can, because we are all roboticists now, we want to think about demons. Think about demons as drones, okay? Drones and they're looking for runways. Okay. Or they're looking for helipads. Okay. Where can I go and land? You know what has happened? There is one path. Where? In our mind. Accustomed to do evil. We are bent to do evil. So what happens? You don't have to go and gossip. Gossip finds you. I mean, do you know, some people already always get the information. 
it's got at you, 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 and it goes to that person. Are how come? And that person always gets the information. Because through repeated gossip and through repeated murmuring, they have made pathways in their minds. So then the gossiping demons are there flying in the air. They see for paths and they say, oh, that path. That path. And similarly, the word of God, the word of God, the living word, the rima word of God is hovering around to find places where it can go and find a resting place. So it circumvents the Herodians and the, and the, and the who? And the Ananias and Caiaphas and all the Tetrarchs and the, and the who is who in, in, in Rome and in Judea and finds the word of God, finds one man in the wilderness called John the Baptist. Why? That man has been disciplined to think right for 30 years in the wilderness, separated from this world, separated from the thought patterns of this world, and he's been meditating and waxing strong in the spirit and practicing the word of God. And then the word of God finds him. You know why? Because there have been thought patterns that have been established in your minds. That is the reason why Jesus, that pastor was telling the other day, <laughs> we are not accustomed. We are so reluctant to change. I mean, I look at my own life. It's an amusement amusement park only. Look, we just had breakfast, okay? Pastor and I, we just had breakfast and we were just walking down the... And you go to Coimbatore's. Coimbatore's full of shops, clothes, place a cloth showroom. The city is a cloth showroom, okay? And pastor's like looking at the clothes and he says, I want to buy this for my wife. And I was like, okay. Okay, fine, fine, good. Good for your wife. And then I'm just walking. <laughs> oh, that like that looks good for sister Elsa, maybe. And I'm just not even thinking. Reluctant to change, okay? So then uh, the shopping is done, the bill has been paid. I'm just nonchalantly walking as if nothing has happened. And he came to the room and he said, Vishal, I think you should also buy something for your wife. <laughs> Pastor, if I buy, you are accustomed not to buy. You are disciplined to ignore. You are disciplined to ignore. Okay. Then maybe she doesn't. If I buy, she will think that I am strange. Then I, I, I thought about it. I said, okay, fine. Because no, pastor said, no, I mean, none of God is there. You have to, even slightest suggestions have to be obeyed. So I said, okay, pastor, I'm just going for a walk to have coffee. <laughs> you have your rest. And then I go to the cloth showroom and I get the, the dress. And I come back home. And I give it to my wife. And she says, this is not from your heart. It is from your father's heart. How can an Ethiopian change his color? A leopard, his spots. You see, that is what I'm talking about. We are so reluctant to change. We are people with, we are stubborn, stiff-necked people. If you are honest with yourself, you will say amen to that. 
We are. We want our own way. That is the reason why I'm so excited when Joanna was singing about the cross and I said, please, Joanne, always the cross in your mind, okay? Don't go to these modern day songs with feelings and please stay like this. Where do you find children speaking about the cross? The blood of Jesus. Who will say I'm a wretch? Can you find one young man who said I'm a wretch? I'm a worm. I'm a nobody without the grace of God. Who will say? Who will find? You would ask any child, do you think you're a wretch? They will say no. What amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's the confession of a man who found God. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused him pain? And for me who, who him to death pursued amazing love. How can it be? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused the quickened ray. I woke the dungeon filled with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. Amazing love. How can it be? Where do you find young people talking about? Would he devote his sacred head for such a worm as I? Is a, is a confession of a hymn writer. Where are worms in worship teams these days? Where are wretches in worship teams these days? And that is the reason why there's no anointing. Because they have not been accustomed to think that there is something wrong with them. We have a bunch and a generation of rebels, my dear brothers and sisters. The problem is me, not my neighbor. Look at, look at Jeremiah. Look at he says, he says, you know why you are not, not able to change? Captivity is there. Right there, war is there. Nebuchadnezzar is there. You are going to 70 years of captivity. You can still change what you lot. You know why? Because you've been disciplined. Like the Ethiopian and the leopard. Your nature will not change. Jeremiah chapter 2. Look at what it says. 23 and 24. How can you say, I am not unclean? How can you say, I mean, you are living in denial. How you, have you seen the young people of this generation deny, deny their Unbelief, their uncleanness. I'm not unclean. I have not gone after the Baals. Look at your way in the valley. Know what you have done. A restless young camel. And look at what it says. The next verse. A wild donkey disciplined, disciplined to the wilderness. In her heat, sniffing the wind. Who can restrain her lust? None who seek her need to weary themselves. In her month, they will find her. You don't have to go find me for gossip. Gossip will find you. Lust will find you. Anger will find you. Murder will find you. Disobedience will find you. Because you're a wild donkey. You're Ishmael. You will mock at the things of God. 
Genesis chapter 16, verses 11 to 12. Look at what it says about huh, the wild donkey. Who's saying this? This is from the horse's mouth. This is Jesus himself, the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. <laughs> you know what Ishmael means? A man whom God hears. But a man who will never hear God. That's what, <laughs> That's what it means. Ish means man. El means what? Ishmael. Ish, Shama, El. Ish means man. Shama means here. El. Whom God hears. A man who is totally self-focused. Who will say, Lord, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. But when God says, he will not hear. Like I like Derek Prince's prayer, no? Lord, bless me. Bless my wife. Bless my son John and his wife. Ask for no more in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you. Sorry. That is Ishmael. Genesis chapter 16, verse 12. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. <laughs> a wild donkey accustomed to the wind. Disciplined to do evil. He's got a nature of the flesh. He's a man who's not of the spirit but of the flesh. He was a plan of the flesh. He was a thought pattern of this world. He was the result of the thought pattern of this world. His hand shall be against every man. Every man's hands against him. You know, in other words, he will not listen to anybody. Nobody will listen to him. That's exactly what happens in many homes. Father will not listen to anybody. Children will not. By induction. Mathematical induction is going on over here. <laughs> Children will not. Look at this. Huh? See? need to understand this. This is a fundamental problem. So what is, the, what is the solution to this problem? What is the God-ordained path for this problem? Genesis chapter 21. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. What did he do? What did he do? Scoffing. He was mocking. He was making fun. He was ridiculing. He was making sport. Hey, be sportive, man. Come on, you're not, you're not a sport. That's what young people say, no? Be sportive. Why are you so conservative? Kuncham stylish kundala. You know what? You know what Bible says? Cast out this bond woman and her son. Why? Because this guy is not going to be heir. With my son, Isaac. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah? So, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13. So, this guy is a man of the flesh. Before we go to Isaiah chapter 51, verse 13. This guy is a man of the flesh. He has to be cast on, in other words. He has to be disqualified. He has to be rendered inactive, in other words. And something new has to come out. Who's, who has to come out? A new spiritual person born of God. Born of promise. Born of the spirit. Born of the word. Who can be taught? It's not, there's no point disciplining Ethiopian. Or the leopard. 
Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13. We like this, no? All your children shall be... Kya baat hai? I like that, no? All your children shall be taught of the Lord. Okay. And look at what it says in actually the Amplified Translation. Look at what it says. Beautiful translation again. Amplified Translation is very interesting. All your spiritual sons will be what? Disciples of the Lord. And great will be there. So he says, understand this. That person cannot be disciplined. So who has to be discipled first? The person has to be born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. How, do, how are you born of the Spirit? Believing that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again for your justification. Repenting of your sins, making peace with God and with man, and becoming a brand new creation in Christ. Why? If any man in Christ, new creation. Old things are past. Behold, everything has become new. John's Gospel chapter 6 will say, Therefore, he says, Do not murmur among yourselves, verse 43. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Is it written? It is written in the prophets, and they shall be what? Taught by God. Therefore, one, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And therefore, Galatians will say, Galatians chapter 4, we know these verses very well. Now we brothers, as Isaac was, are what? Are the children of promise. But as he was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. So who is Isaac? He was born of promise. That means of the word. He was born of the spirit. And he's not born of the flesh. This born again person. Nevertheless, what does scripture say? Cast out the born woman and her son. For the son of the born woman shall not be heir with the son of the female. So the first step, who can be discipled? Who can become a disciple? Who can qualify as to, to becoming a disciple? Is a person who is born of the spirit, who is born of the word, who has been born again into the kingdom through receiving Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And, 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 there's a lot of other things that has to happen. Who has to commit himself to a lifelong process of discipleship. So first, who has to be discipled? Now what has to be discipled in this new born again person is a question. First thing, who has to be discipled? Second, what has to be discipled? In this new born again person, what has to be discipled? Just let's, let's, let's try to understand this. Hebrews chapter 10, let's move and let's see, see a few verses here. Therefore, verse 5 onwards, therefore, when he came into this world, okay, he said, sacrifice and offerings you do not desire, but what do you prepare for me? A body. Everybody say body. So what has to be discipled? The body. Okay. Everything is in the body. It's the, it's the, it's a vessel which carries your soul and your spirit. Body without the spirit is dead. 
spirit with the body <laughs> also doesn't make any difference. So the body has to be surrendered. The body has to be disciplined. Let's understand what has to be disciplined in the body. A little more. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book uh, that is written of me to do your will of God. Again, we know this verse very well. A body has to be disciplined. So first, what should you do in a process of discipleship? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you, present, offer your bodies. Okay, That's the point. So the first thing, the first thing that has to be done is a surrender of your body. To whom? It says, acceptable to God. Thank you. Everybody says, okay. Acceptable to God. Fantastic. Who is God? It's a question now. Now in this, let us, let us try to little, let us uh, zero and uh, narrow it down a little more. Okay, body has to be disciplined. We know that. Look at what it says as to how Jesus was discipled or disciplined. This is the we know this verse very well. This is the mystery which is given. This is, a, uh, this is a, not a revelation. This is something which is talked about Jesus and prophesied about Jesus in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4 in the NASB translation. Okay. The Lord has given me the tongue of what? Disciples. So that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. Everybody say he. Awakens me. Morning by morning. Okay. Again say everybody say He. Awakens my ear. Oh, no. Who was there? Somebody is there. He. Who is that he? God, spirit, etc. Everybody says, everybody has their own uh, understanding. But let me tell you my, the way I look at this particular word he. Who is that he? This is how I understand. He is a person. And the disciple is a person who has offered his body to God-ordained leadership. Discipline of surrender to God-ordained leadership. Because he and me are there. Who is that he? Oh, I mean, you have not, I have my third daughter now. Okay. So I sit with her and I'm reading through her paces. So she reads, some, one, one, one chapter of the pace work says, I am special. God has a plan for me. Etc, etc, etc. So, God made everybody different. No two people in the world are the same. And I say, honey, you know, you are special. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for, a special plan for you. And no two people in the same house have the same plan. Okay, very happy. The next part of the paragraph says, God has a plan for me now. Oh, what is the plan? Now, I have to study. I have to read. I have to learn. I have to listen to my parents. That is a plan for the special purpose now. Everybody says, I'm special, I'm special, I'm special. How many of you think you're special? Come on. God has a special purpose. Everybody is laughing now. Like Ishmael. Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, have a, I, have a, I have a plan for me. Okay. If God has a plan for you, what is God, God's plan for you now at this time?
to give your undivided attention to the purpose to the person who's teaching you the word see otherwise you can forget your calling you are very special and you will go to hell all the way special and a very special place in hell will be reserved for you special no you know that is where i feel i'll tell you something all you know, the bible does not the bible say all our children will be taught of the lord yes but lord uses somebody in all the bible there are very few people who have been directly discipled by god abraham one person not isaac not jacob not even joseph second person if i if i'm right in my in my in my order is moses directly disciplined by god not joshua not caleb not the entire batch who's going to enter into the promised land then if my if my um, if my if my you through through the book of judges you'll find god uh, finding one person here and there etc okay and then you go go, go to the kings saul david etc and then you come to elijah man was directly handpicked by god disciple by god but not elisha Jesus was already discipled by God but not the disciples Saul who became Paul was directly discipled by God I feel I, I have my reservations in that but it's okay let us say that he was directly discipled by God because he says three and a half years in the deserts of Arabia I was taught the word by God himself therefore I received revelation from God I'm, I'm not flesh and blood has not revealed this to me etc okay fine but not Timothy not Titus not Silas not Demas very few people so there's a there's a very interesting doctrine in the foundations okay hebrews chapter 6 <clears throat> hebrews chapter 6 we know this foundations very well and when one of the often misunderstood doctrine often misunderstood fundamental doctrine i'll show you that doctrine today i will introduce the doctrine to you i don't think we might have discussed it in some context but i want to show you some in- interesting pictures in the old covenant as to how this doctrine um, manifests itself in practice Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 and 2 Therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works the first foundation doctrine faith towards god is the second foundation of doctrine doctrine of baptisms is third and the fourth doctrine is the laying of hands fifth doctrine is resurrection from the dead and sixth doctrine is eternal judgment 1 2 3 4 5 6 after three fundamental doctrines the doctrine of baptisms and repentance and bread works and faith towards god comes the very important doctrine called the doctrine of laying on of hands where you impart what we call as a spiritual gift or a spiritual uh, yeah, impartation happens so that the ministry and the work of jesus christ can continue in the next generation okay you know so as I, as i told you in the kingdom of god there is no elect selection there is only i'm oh sorry no there is no election there is only selection we are called elect because election has become a very uh, misunderstood term in these days god chooses there is nothing by vote let us vote the next pastor doesn't happen god has to choose so remember no uh, elijah comes down the mountain he sees elisha he takes this mantle puts on elisha and he walks 
And Elisha runs behind Elijah and he says, please can I say goodbye to my father and mother? And you know what he says? What has this got to do with me? In other words, I did not call you. I did not call you. I did not choose you. God told me and I put the mantle on you. In in other words, it was not for me to give you any anointing. It was not for me to call you. It was God who called you, even though he used me as as a vessel. So when you say, I'll go and say, Tata to Mama and Papa, what does that calling have to do with me? It's not about me. You decide it right now. So in the kingdom of God, nothing is by election. There's nothing by vote. God chooses unilaterally. What the laying on of hands does, it recognizes the purpose, the person who has already been chosen by God. Do you understand? Laying on of hands does very interest is a very important thing. It says, laying on of hands is a recognition of the person to the office whom to, uh, to which God has already chosen that person for. Let me give you this example, okay? Numbers chapter 27. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. Then Moses spoke to the Lord. Okay? Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh. I like that, no? How is he, how is he talking to God? The God of the spirits of all flesh. Set a man over the congregation. Now, you know, G- Moses, he does nothing without consulting God. He already made a mistake. He asked the people to choose 12 spies. Okay? They chose. Okay, when they chose 12 spies, what will happen? You will be in the wilderness. If you choose, you will be in the wilderness. Say that. If God chooses, you will be in the promised land. Say that. Okay. So he said, already made a mistake. I asked the people to make a choice. Those fellows came and spoke bad report and they were in the wilderness for the next 38 years. So he says, Lord, please Lord, set a man over the congregation. Who may go out before them and who can go in before them? Who may lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which do not have a shepherd? This is his heart. He says, Lord, choose the next shepherd. He says, Lord, I have some resumes in my mind. I want him, I'm shortlisting a few resumes. I have Caleb. I have Joshua. I have Phineas. I have... Uh, what is, that, what is his name? The guy who's son of her? Bethsalel. Bethsalel. Bethsalel, uh, who has built the, uh, built the tabernacle. I have so many people who have shortlisted, who's full of the spirit of wisdom, etc. He's a very good engineer, etc. I mean, I have shortlisted all these people. Who is your choice? Who is your resume? Look at what God says. Okay? Numbers 27. And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man who has the gallop. And what do you do? Lay your hand on him. Now what is laying on of hands doing? It is already recognizing the person who has been called to an office. It's not choosing now. It's already recognizing the person. You understand? Who's been called to the office. Now, set him before Eliezer, the priest. No, no, calling. So Moses, when you come and endorse him now, when you're coming and endorsing him now, it is as if you are doing that on my part. Everybody knows it is God's appointment. He's not hired, therefore he cannot be fired. That's exactly. The gifts and the callings of God are what? Without repentance. Repentance. 
He is not hired. Therefore, he cannot be fired. In other words, you cannot fire a prophet. Who are you to fire a prophet? The prophet has fired you. You cannot fire a shepherd. Shepherd, oh, I, from this onwards, you are not my shepherd. Cut if. Go. Bye-bye. Ta-da. It's not going to change anything. Because it's not your appointment. Even if he has to be removed, God has to remove him. That's exactly the reason why when David has opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to kill Saul, you know what he says? That is God's appointment. How can I touch the Lord's, Lord's anointed? He cannot be fired. God has to remove him. Okay, by the way, the, all these things I've learned from pastor, okay? He cannot be hired, and therefore he cannot be fired. So that's what, this is all these tongue-in-cheek from Pastor James, several years back in all our conversations. So set him before Eliezer, the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him in their sight. And you shall give him, what? Some of your authority. Not complete. To him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. You see now what is God doing? He has chosen a person and the people, if, if they have to be discipled and disciplined, they have to learn and to submit to God-ordained leadership. So you cannot say, I'll be discipled by God himself and not submit to God-ordained leadership. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. But in other churches, I mean, I'm not talking about other churches. I'm talking about what the biblical standard is. Okay. Then what happens? He shall stand before Eliezer, the priest, the high priest, the type of the high priest, or of a picture of uh, the Holy Spirit, and who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in. He and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. So God chose. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and set him before Eliezer, the priest, and set before all the congregation. And he laid his hands upon him. Let me tell you something. Why was Joshua picked? This is my personal understanding. Joshua, when God was, when the Amalekites came and fought, remember, at Rephidim. Moses looked at Joshua. Go and fight. No questions asked. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Moses? I will go and pray. You go and fight. I see. Can we reverse orders? No. You go fight. I pray. Look at this. Moses is on the top of the mountain praying. When Moses' hands are down, who's losing? Joshua is losing. Did he give up? Did he complain about Moses? What are you doing, Moses? We all trusted in you. We believed in you. You are letting us down. Nothing. You see, this is what God is looking for. Will you submit to God out in leadership? Can you be a person on whom God can lay, lay his hands on? That is the reason why you know Paul tells Timothy, please don't lay hands on anybody. Do not be partakers of other people's sins, please. Now what happens? 
What happens because of this impartation? What happens? Look at this. This is one of my favorite verses again. Deuteronomy chapter 34. I look at this and I say, Lord, wow, you're awesome. Your promises are fantastic. Deuteronomy chapter 34. And verse number, excuse me, 9. Verse number 9. Uh, uh, sorry. Verse number 9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? Because Moses has laid his hands upon him. May the Lord give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That will remain a prayer. Unless you surrender to God ordained leadership. He is full of the spirit of wisdom. See, Joshua ka time aayega. Apna time? Oh, you know, no? Aayega. Wait. Surrender. Submit. Go through the process. Look at what it says in First Peter chapter 5. People don't like this verse. So anything which you don't like, you can expect it from my mouth. Okay? Likewise, you younger people. Younger people. Submit yourselves to your elders. That includes your parents first. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For what? God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he can exalt you in due time. So time of exaltation has come. Moses is asking God, Lord, whom shall I lay hands on? Because if I lay hands on him, it is as if you are laying hand upon him. So tell me, Lord, who is already under your hand? Tell me, Lord. Show me, Lord, in the spirit who is already under your hand. Who has got the spirit of submission in him? No, God is, the spirit of God is hovering around here in this place. Everybody is looking in your minds. Because submission starts here. It's called the humility of the mind. It's an attitude. Who is meek? Who is under God's hand? Who is under God's hand? Here in this congregation, who is under God's hand? Who is under God's hand? Anybody there? Can God say, that is a guy with the spirit? Because he was already under my hand. Because it says, the earth was formless. Okay. Darkness was, it was you know what? The, it's, the Hebrew is fantastic. You know? Bereshit bara Elohim. Beha Aretz and Ashamayim. Because he created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. It was Tohu Vahohu. That's the word. Tohu Vaho means was formless and dark. It was absolute chaos. And the Spirit of God was hovering. Where should I land? And then the Lord spoke, let there be light. And the Spirit came. In other words, here also, the Lord of people will never surrender to anybody. You know what they are? Formless. Without order. And the Spirit of the Lord wants to come and give you the impartation, but He will not. Because you will not surrender. 
I'll tell you something. You have already made up your mind. Say that. Whether good or bad. Some people have already, you can convince me, I have already made up my mind what to do. I will listen to you and I will clap if you want my claps. I will give you likes also on YouTube. I will subscribe to your YouTube channel, but I will not listen to you. Leviticus 19. Again, favorite verses. And the Lord spake to Moses, sorry, spake unto Moses, saying, speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, ye shall be holy. For I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Look at this. You shall, everybody say fear, whom every man, his father, and his mother, and he keep my Sabbaths, I am the Lord, your God. I will fear only God. Not father and mother. If you can't fear your father and mother whom you can see, how can you fear the God whom you cannot see? It is not rever. It is fear. Fear. Daddy is my friend. My best friend. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. When did Abraham become his friend? Tell me. When did Abraham become God's friend? When he tied Isaac on the altar and he was about to kill Isaac and he says, God said, Abraham, Abraham, stop. Now I know that you, what? Fear me. And Abraham become a friend of God. That is when he became a friend. We are buddy, buddy. Leviticus 19, verse 32. You shall rise before the gray-headed man. <laughs> Look at this. You shall rise before the gray-headed man and honor the presence of an older man and fear. So how do you fear God? Let us come to the grassroots. No, grass tags, huh? brass tags, brass tags, brass tags, yeah. Do you fear? Do you reverence God, the men of God, servants of God? Whether they are are young or whether they are old. Do you fear? Do you fear your father and mother? Children in your homes. The one who is taking care of you. Whether it be a father because many, many people come from single homes. Do you fear your mother who is taking care of you? Or your father is taking care of you? Or you murmur and complain against your father? These are very important. This is what we call, but this is all old fashioned. Jeremiah. Chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. There are several ways. Ask for the old paths. Where the good way is. Where are the good ways? Here. Ask for it. And what? Walk in it. Then you will find what? 
Rest yourselves. Come to me all you are heavy, who are heavy and burdened, etc. I will give you what? And then what else? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me and then you will find what? Rest. So what happens? And I set watchmen over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet, but they said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear your, na- hear your nations, you, you nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words, nor my law, but rejected it. Ask for the old ways. You know, I'm telling you something. In some of the things in our own culture, the way people from non-Christian backgrounds honor and respect. You know something? I was stunned when I went to this to this uh, wedding. The reverence that a Muslim man was showing pastor and a Hindu man with this with this uh, dhoti and uh, this thing, no? Pastor, 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 yes sir, yes sir. I've never, and it's genuine, it's not Atimu Vinayam Durta Lakshanam, no? But Christians? Oh, pastor, okay. This is how many Christians work. I mean, I'll tell my children, no? There's one sutram in our school. What is the sutra? Guru Mukhasya Vidyalabhyate. Guru Mukhasya Vidyalabhyate. In other words, honor your guru. Reverence him. There's an impartation. I'll give you another example. Second Kings chapter 13. Second Kings chapter 13. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Okay. So prophets can also have illness. Okay. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, My father, my father. The chariots of Israel and their horsemen. My father, my father. He's weeping. The same cry that Elisha made when he was seeing his mentor Elisha, Elijah being taken up in the whirlwind. And he said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel. You know, who is the chariot of Israel? Not the king who has the chariots. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty together again. He had all the, all the, all the entourage with him. He had Everything with him. The cavalry with him. Everything. But he cannot win one battle. You know why? Because there's only one man who is actually the horseman and the army of Israel. Who's that one man? Elisha. And Elijah. In the, in the previous generation. He's crying. My father, my father. Then look at what happens. Second Kings chapter 13, verse 15. Then Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on, the, on it and Elisha put his hands on it, on the king's hands. What is happening now? There's a laying on of hands which is going on and there's an impartation which is happening. Okay? Impartation which is happening. Okay? Then goes on. And he said, open the east window. The window of the east. So he opened it and he said, shoot! And he shot the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Now, he shot an arrow, but who is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance? The king. Okay, you are, because it says, as arrows in the hands of a mighty man, so are children in one's youth. Okay, so he is the arrow. 
and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Afek till you have destroyed them. Till when? Till you have destroyed them. Okay, I'm giving you an impartation. Okay. He teaches my fingers for war, etc. I'm making you a warrior. There's an impartation in the spiritual realm which is going on through the laying on of hands. And then, you are the arrow of God's deliverance. Then he says, then he says, take the arrows. And he said, strike the ground. So he struck the ground. Tuck, tuck, tuck. <sighs> and this is how I imagine, okay? And the man of God was angry with him. You shall strike Syria till they are what? Destroyed. How many times did you strike them? One, two, Enough. Then the man was angry. And said, you have struck five or six times. You would have struck Syria till you have destroyed it. But now you will strike it only three times. You have not struck them. If You, you have to strike till they are destroyed. But you did not do it. Three times only. You know what that is? Lazy. I'll tell you something. The kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of God are full of lazy people. Full of spiritually lazy people. For several reasons. That laziness can be caused because of several reasons. I'll tell you, I'll show you one, you know, one had a fantastic mentor but who was kind of lazy. Second okay. Timothy chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 6. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. No, that through the lay- So Timothy was already called by God, but through the laying on of hands there was impartation of spiritual gift. There was also an exaltation to the office. For God has not what? Given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. No. I remind to stir up the gift. What has happened to the gift? You stopped using it. Like this, this king. Three times only. What has happened to you? You are crippled by fear. Why are you crippled by fear? Next verse. Therefore, sorry. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of Christ. He's like, he looked at Paul and he said, if I get to this office... My whole life full of risks. I do not know what is waiting for me. I go with Paul. Everywhere I go with him, there is only sufferings and beatings and thrashings. Lazy people. I'll show you some one, one lazy man okay, in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 13. Some fantastic proverb. Everybody can read, read this for me. okay? All of us will read. Okay? I'll say everybody. The lazy man says, there is lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets. It's too much of a risk. If I go this path, too much of a risk. That's the reason why, I like the three lepers, no? Why do we sit here and what? Die. 
If we go back, we will die. If we stay here, we will die. Lazy people. They are crippled by fear. What is going to happen? What is going to happen? Let me tell you something. I think it was Mark Zuckerberg. I think he made the statement. It is a great risk not to take a risk. It is a great risk. He took a risk in the wrong side. But if you take risks for God, you will never lose. You invest in God, you will never lose. You may lose here, but on the other side, full benefit. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a lazy man on his bed. What does he do? He turns on the bed. Emanuela, she's here, huh? okay. <laughs> Please get up. Clockwise, anti-clockwise. And sometimes she curls like a shrimp. And she says, I'm not getting up. Where is the door going? Nowhere. You come back till Jesus comes, that door in Jivan Jyoti will stay there. You can admire the door, you can paint the door, you can decorate the door, but it is still there. It's not going anywhere. So look at this next one. A lazy man buries his hand into the bowl and it wearies and grieves him to take it and put it in his mouth. You know, it's like this, you know, I, 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 told, I told my children, no? it's like, no, your father makes breakfast, your mother makes breakfast in the morning, your father irons your clothes. Hmm? When he was a small, when you were a small baby, he gave you a shower also. Okay, he took, he took the auto, he took you to school and he made you sit in the class. Who worked hard? Okay, every one of your parents have worked hard now. Now what are you supposed to do? Take the bowl called mathematics and put it in your, in your mind. And what do you say? Oh, tables. You should see the faces of people when I ask them tables. It's a grievous exercise for them. So I have to tell them, you know what? God does not bless lazy people. The first man, you know who wrote the first gospel in your New Testament? How does the first gospel, who's the first gospel? When you, uh, excuse me, Matthew. Who was Matthew? What was he doing? What was he doing? He was doing mathematics. Matthew the mathematician. He was very busy. Credit, debit, credit, counts. Accounts, 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 accounts. Because he says, you know, the kingdom of God is like a man who's getting accounts, accounts, accounts. You see maximum accounts in Matthew only. And he's very serious in his tax booth. Trying to balance the accounts. You know, there is uh, there are two degrees in uh, engineering, in, in intermediate. Something is called a CEC. What is CEC? Ah, not computers, Baba. Commerce, economics and civics. There is another called Maths, economics, and civics. You want to become a very good economist and a commerce graduate? Which, 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 which uh, intermediate graduate uh, background you should have? MEC. CEC is easy, no. 
Who wants to go through all the trouble of balancing accounts? He was very serious in his tax booth. And Jesus said, Bah, kya precision hai. You are perfect in your accounts. Worked very hard in your math. The first man who will write my first gospel will be in the mathematician called Matthew. Matthew, the mathematician. Even doctor will, will, will be third. Dr. Luke is the third. First is mathematician. Even Luke, because you know why? Doctors don't know mathematics. So he also has to write about accounts. Where should he learn from? Matthew. So he says, the kingdom of God is like the man who goes householder who asks for accounts. How do we tally accounts? Matthew, he knows very well. And you see how precise Matthew is. He knows which prophecy to be applied where. Where did he get this precision from? By learning math. So if you want, if you are disciplined in math, you will be called to be a preacher of the gospel. And that to the first fellow. All the mathematicians can say like this, not to yourself now. You see, let me tell you, you now, I, 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 I tell my children, no, I tell my children, you know, you see, you should see, I mean, I, the new, new one who's added into our family now. I have to create interest for her now. No? She has to, she has to learn it. No, so I said, you know what, numbers have feelings. I tell her, honestly, I mean, I, I feel that. I, I genuinely feel they have feelings, okay? Numbers have feelings. If you call six an odd number, it'll feel bad. And then she's looking at me and she's like, Papa, uh, are you, what do you think? Papa's joking or is he serious? He's like, she's like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> See, so the first gospel writer, I'm telling you, is this exact science? You know how difficult for children to learn and study? Food is given. Tutor is given. Tuition fellows will come and teach you. For you, it is a grievous exercise to put it into your mouth. And you know what? One day you are going to win a nation to Christ. Whom are you kidding? Whom are you kidding? Yourself? Okay. Take MEC, okay? Take MEC. Huh? Understand this. Mon- How does he was exact? And what is it? What do we have? A generation who is lazy, who's been given all the privileges. And it's a grievous exercise for them to study. That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Work hard, you've been given a gift, but you're lazy. Fear has crippled you. Risk, taking risk has crippled you. But let me tell you something. The accounts are always positive on my side. I will settle all accounts one day. You take a risk for me. And you will never lose with me. Morning by morning, God awakened his disciple. Can God awaken you? Through your father and your mother at least? 
Or how many of you know? You'll get up in the morning, and the first thing of the alarm starts 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 is you'll switch off the snooze button. That's what you'll switch off. First thing, not even the alarm. Snooze. Please don't disturb me, you fellow. You see, if you can overcome sleep, and this fellow, seventy percent, seventy to ninety percent of discipleship is already over. You should be like Samuel, who worked hard in his sleep. Samuel, Samuel, tuck, you just just got up like that. He called me. You called me. And Eli is saying, Baba, you sleep, you fellow. You don't sleep, you do not let me sleep. I mean, I, I think sometimes Eli might have wished, no. Look at this kid. Not born in a Christian home. Under a high priest. And look at my children. Lazy. Gluttonous. You know what the Bible says? None of the words of Samuel fell to the ground. And he was established from Dan to Beersheba as a prophet of Israel. You know why? He overcame his sleep. You know where is the maximum amount of sleep that happens? The deepest part of your sleep? 3 o'clock in the morning. It is what we call as REM, rapid eye movement. Okay, that is when all your dreams are very clear in your mind. You know, rapid eye movement. You know who's coming, who's going. The story is very, very clear. That is when God used to call Yeshua. Yeshua, Yeshua. Tuck. Got up. You see, you have to burn the midnight oil to become a disciple. Lord, we toiled all night, Lord. Yes, and we caught nothing. No problem. No problem. But at my word, my word will come only to those people who have toiled all night. And nobody else. Nobody else. No lazy bones in the church. Understand this. Discipleship. We want to become stewards of the mysteries of God. But can you be discipled? A lazy man <laughs> is wiser in his own eye. <laughs> Look at this. Then seven men who can answer discreetly means this guy is totally unteachable. You cannot persuade him. He has already made up his mind. Read the book of Proverbs. Tremble whenever the lazy fellow comes. Look at yourself there. And take correction. First thing, your body has to be disciplined. Overcome sleep. Midnight oil you burn. Did you not burn when you were studying? I mean, I remember for my one exam because I wanted a hundred. I wanted hundred period. I am not going to get less than 100 is what I thought myself. 48 hours without sleep. I just... I mean, I would, the entire week I was studying and the, before the exam, 48 hours, I was dotting every I, crossing out every T. I said, I am going to get a 100 period. You know, a lot of people say, you know what? Before the exam, you have to take some rest. Your mind has to be fresh. I said, nonsense. 48 hours I was studying and studying and my adrenaline was pumping. Okay, when I went to the exam, full of adrenaline. 
And then three hours of exam, I wrote, I came out. 100. And then I went home and slept. People wanted to do come and study with me. Then I said, I had my friend, Nityanand Pemaraju from Guntur. He said, Vijay, next time onwards, come and study, I will never do come and study with you. What is this studying, Ray? Without sleep. For an earthly job, for an earthly degree, for a hundred in this earth. You know, we don't have that kind of a fire. We are lazy people. We are people who are entitled. So we have something called as merit store in our in our school. Earn your merits. I want that. That costs two thousand five hundred merits. You not get it for free. It's it's available for everybody. You're not partial here. So, the body has to be disciplined. Second, in the body, there's one very important avayavam or part which has to be disciplined. What is that? Everybody say, ear. Has to be disciplined. What in the body? The ear has to be disciplined. The senses. A first sense. He who has your ear has your body. What is that? He who has your ear has your body. Mahima, stand up. Why did why did she stand up? Because she had my ear. She, I have, have her ear and therefore I have her body. Simple. Sit down. You see? He who has your ear has your body. That is the reason why it says, a body you are prepared for me in Hebrews chapter 10. And he says in Psalm 40, the same passage says, my ears you have dug, you are pierced. Proverbs chapter 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. How? 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 Lend your ear to my understanding. Lend your ear. Please give me your ear. Give me your undivided attention, meaning what? I am all ears. I am here. I have circumcised my ears. Circumcised my ears. Prepared my ears so that God can speak to me. You see, discipleship is a training which we have to become what we call as intentional. We have to become intentional in this. Understand that. It's a, if anyone desires to do my will, or other translations will say, if anyone wills to do my will, John's Gospel chapter 7, 7 verse 17, if anyone wills to do my will, he will understand the doctrine. Who will understand? He who has your ear. That you may preserve discretion, and your lips may keep knowledge, for the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell, lest you ponder her path of life. Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Where did it start? With the ear. Therefore, hear me now, my children. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your ears to the cruel one. You know what? So many young people have lost their ears because they have not given their ears to the parents. Godly parents especially. They have not given. Disobedient to parents is the norm. 
Second Timothy chapter 4. Preach the word. Verse 2. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all kinds of long suffering and teaching. Why? 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 You know why? Because a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not like teaching. Why? According to their own desires because they have itching ears. They have to always have somebody to come and scratch you. To pamper you. To make life easy for you. That is the reason why prophetic word, what is prophetic word? Correction, rebuke, teaching, rebuke, teaching. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So that a man of God may be complete and thorough, prepared for every good work. But you know what the problem is? You are not here. You know, there's a very fired up prophet in the old covenant. His name is Amos. And he was just a farmer. He was just a farmer. He was a herdsman. From herdsman from Tekoa, if I'm right. Herdsman from Tekoa. And he goes, he's, he's in Judah, by the way, and he's called as a prophet to prophesy to the northern kingdom of Israel. And when he goes and prophesies, they don't listen to him. Look at what it says about the people, his audience, in Amos chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. This is the, the word of God. I raised up some of your sons as what? Prophets. And some of your young men as? Nazarites. Who are Nazarites? Those people who have listened to the prophetic word and taken correction and become separate. Now I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. You know, this is one man of God who gave this fantastic example. You know, he, this man of God fired up, consecrated, and he does not watch movies. He, he, has no ba- he has no bad company, and he's like really, really on fire for God. And this one uh, Hindu neighbor of his comes to him, and he asks him this question. I mean, you are a Christian. There are so many other Christians. Why are you so much against movies? I mean, so many other Christians also watch movies. You also watch, I mean, what is wrong in watching movies? Why don't you watch movies, etc.? No, he didn't want to put the other Christians down. No, he asked God, God, how do I answer this guy? And the Lord gave him an answer. You're a Hindu, right? He said, yes, sir, I'm a Hindu. You see that guy with mala? Ayapa mala, okay? Is he a Hindu? He said, yes, he is Hindu. Uh, Does he wake up in the morning? Yes, he wakes up in the morning. Does he walk without shoes? Yes, he walks without shoes. You walk with shoes? Yes, I walk with shoes. Do you say Swami, 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 like the way he says Swami, Swami, Swami? You use all kinds of language. He does not use. He is also Hindu. You are also Hindu. What is the difference? And that guy said, sir, he is a sanctified Hindu. Anybody said, I am a sanctified Christian. Sanctified. Why don't you be like other people? What is this dressing all the time? Uncle Laga? Auntie Laga? A lot of people have a problem with Salwar. I told my children, no? It's not important what other people think about you. Two people, it's important. What God thinks about you and what your father thinks about you. That's it. If you have a backing of God and the prayer of your, of your father, if you have the backing of God and the prayers of your father and the blessings of your father, nothing and nobody can touch you. Nobody. 
Joseph had the backing of God and the prayers and the blessings of his father. Nothing could touch him. Everybody is doing Joseph. Why are you so different? My God. My God. My God. I remember, no? When jo- Jacob is blessing, he's laying his hands. That's another impartation that happens, right? It's remarkable. Joseph, I mean, Jacob calls his two children, uh, Manasseh and who? Ephraim. And he crosses his hands like this and he starts blessing. And the word of God is fantastic. He says, he laid his hands on Ephraim and Manasseh and blessed Joseph. Wow. Wow. Whom did he bless? Joseph. Whom did he lay hands on? Ephraim and Manasseh. Think about that. Put that in your spiritual pipes and smoke it. Why are your children blessed, Joseph? Because your your father... Your father. Ephraim and Manasseh is asking granddaddy, why are you blessing us? Because your father, your father never ever disobeyed me. Always surrendered me, surrendered to me. What kind of a legacy are we leaving for our children, my dear brothers and sisters? And what did you do? But you gave my Nazarites wine to drink. He said, but don't be like this. Don't be like this. This is all old-fashioned. And what did you ask your prophets? Do not prophesy. Don't prophesy. That is the reason why the Bible very clearly says, be careful as to what you hear and be careful as to how you hear and we have to pay much careful attention to the things that we have already heard lest we drift away. Discipline your ear. So once you discipline your ear, you know what happens automatically? You have your mind. I tell my children, I said, read it loudly. Why? When you read it loudly, it goes into your ear and then it goes into your mind. You know, most of the people whom I know, uh, even even my school, no, we have children, no, who read loudly, and I have to say, no, just just tone it down a little. I understand where you're coming from, but it is disturbing the others in the class because I read loudly. When I'm in my church office, I like church office because I can read loudly. English Bible, Telugu Bible, any Bible, loudly, because you know what is happening when I read loudly, it is coming out of my mouth and it's going through my ear gate and then it's going into my mind and it is framing my thoughts. So read it loudly. You know what happens? There will be concentration. And you will exhaust yourself. And you know that you have worked hard. And then you can go and have your food. Because those who do not work should not. Oh, I have read with my mind. I am tired. I don't think so. Exhaust. Read loud. Speak to yourself. Prophesy to yourself. Speak to yourself. Teach yourself. And I go to the bathroom and I just go singing only. Anywhere in the world. And I listen to my own hymns. Just keep on memorizing and singing to myself. I sing to myself, speak to myself, memorize myself. I memorize and memorize so many psalms and so many proverbs now. So many songs. Just 
I, I just love it. This, and why I want my mind to be occupied with the things that I have spoken from my own mind. Because it says, this book of the law shall not what? Depart from where? From your mouths. These are principles which I have learned, not just from godly people. Right from my childhood, when, my, when we were growing up, our parents used to say, when you're studying, study and read. How? Loudly. Manusulo chadukutana neno. I beseech you therefore, brothers. <laughs> Offer your bodies, and then what? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewal of your mind. How does it happen? Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. I'll show you that verse right. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouths, but you shall meditate. How do you meditate? You speak the word to yourself. And the word speaks to you. And then you start meditating. You start thinking. Oh, this is what it says. And I speak it loud, loudly. Oh, this is what it says. It's like the I'm getting used to the voice of God from my own mouth. Discipline your ear. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the council, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And what does he do? And in his law doth he what? You know what the word for meditate is? The word is hege. Hege means like a lion sitting on its meat and eating. Have you seen a lion? Eating its food? Serious business. It's like so many of you when you eat your mutton curry, no? Very serious. Don't disturb. Very serious in the eating process. Quiet. Don't disturb. Don't even touch my plate. And full concentration on eating, half than 20% of concentration not on reading. And you are thinking that you will get all the revelations and the, and the speakings of God in your mind. How is it possible? See? Meditate. Delight. And meditate. The meditation is fantastic. He says, meditate means think over it like a lion thinks over its food. The lion that hunts its prey. You know how the lion hunts its prey? If I don't get my food today, I will die. My entire survival is dependent upon getting that fellow. So he will do everything in his capacity to target that thing and get it. That is a sight to watch in National Geographic. And then you should think about this verse. Parable. What is the parable? How serious a lion is for the prey. Am I as serious for the word of God? Hmm? What happens to that fellow? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You know, one, one of my students in our school, he gave me a greeting card for my birthday. He says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, etc., etc. And he wrote this verse and he gave it to me on the, on, the, on the first page of the card. And I opened that card and he says, Sir, thank you for being that tree in my life. And I was touched. I said, Boy, what a promise. I, took, I mean, this is like a sixth, sixth grader, Phineas. You know, you know, many of you know Phineas. How you thought, thank you for being that tree in my life. You know, out of the mouth of babes, your perfect at praise. And I said, you know, Lord, what a responsibility you have given to me. Sometimes you look at children, you know what, and when, when I'm doing devotions, you should look at this kid. He comes a little late because some issue at his home, and he, sta- he sits in the last chair. And when the devotion is going on, he's like this, like this, like this. He wants to get, get eye, eye contact. 
Phineas. And my daughter is there next to me. <laughs> no, I'm just not kidding. I'm just, I'm just, you know what? He's just listening to me like this. And uh, a prophet is never recognized in his own town. Okay. These are parables in your own home. You see? Understand this. Read loudly. He shall be like a tree. Why? Because his mind is thinking on the word of God. Why is there fruit in your life? You're constantly thinking. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. Discipline your mind. That is the reason why he says in Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 14, Oh Israel, how long will you have vain thoughts lodging in you? You're harboring evil thoughts. Harboring. You know what harboring is? You've dropped anchor now. The evil thoughts have dropped anchor in your life. How long? Vain thoughts. Evil thoughts. Lodging. Taking rent in your mind without paying rent. Jeremiah chapter 15. Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord. Whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree. You know why he trusts in the Lord? Because he has meditated upon the word. You see the same verse. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters. Which spreads out its root by the river. And not fear when the heat comes. But its leaf shall be green. And will not be anxious in the year of drought. But will never cease from yielding fruit. You know why? Because he has thought over the word of God. Over and over and over and over again. His life will be fruitful. Has deep roots. Okay. Understand this. That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. Let's read that together. Everybody, reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into... Where does insight come from? From the Lord. But when does it come? When you reflect. You want revelation? Without reflection. (laughs) That's the problem. (laughs) You do not reflect. ESV is very interesting. Think over what I say. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Understanding comes from above. Who gives it? The Lord. Train your mind. Discipline your ear. And there are two other things to be disciplined. After you train your ear and your mind, the Lord will give you what? A disciplined tongue. Then what happens? Through your tongue, you will be choosing life and not death. Because you have thought on the words of life. Your mind is framed from by the word of God. You are thinking and reflecting on the word of God. And what happens? Your thought patterns and your speech and your speech and your and whatever you speak will be inspired by the word. I have got many things to say, but it is difficult for you to bear. <laughs> now, we'll stop here. Listen, this morning, you know what God is asking from each one, every one of us? First thing, a journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. What is that? Surrender the best that you can. So can we stand in the presence of God this morning and by faith, let us surrender. Surrender. Surrender to the will of God. Surrender to the purposes of God.
the best that you can and say, Lord, so many times I sing, I surrender all, but some, many times I don't mean it. But this evening, this morning, oh Lord, to the best of my ability, I want to surrender myself. And if you want to surrender, raise your hands this morning but as an act of faith and say, Lord, I surrender to the best of my ability, oh Lord. To God-ordained leadership. To your word. To the authority of your word. And to the leading of your spirit. Discipline me, Lord. For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Lord, this morning I pray, Lord, all of us, beginning with me, O Lord, who's been called to be the assistant pastor of this church, Lord, I surrender to the best that I know how, to your leadership, to the authority of the scriptures, and to the leading of your spirit. And I pray that prayer for every brother and sister of mine here, beginning with the eldest to the youngest. All of us, we want to surrender. Work and rot your disciplines in our lives. Some of us have already made decisions, Lord. Decisions to disobey. But I pray, Father, the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come and we will take correction. We will change our directions. We'll change the seed. We will not sow in the flesh, but sow to the Spirit. Because you said in your word, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that's exactly what what he will reap. And I pray, Father, this morning, even as we surrender, we will sow to the Spirit so that we will not reap corruption, but eternal life. Life, Lord. Life, Lord, this morning. Enable us to surrender to God's leadership. Enable us to surrender our ears, O Lord, to the Word and our mind to meditation. Father, commit all of us into your hands. And even as we go about this next week, the words that you have spoken, let them ring in our ears. Let them burn in our hearts. And let them rot life in us. And let them bring light to those people with whom we come in contact with, even through this week. To that end, I pray that you would bless us. Thank you, Father, for this day. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Reflect. May the Lord give you understanding in all things.